The first time is Chirp Radio's live lit and music series hosted at Martyrs in North Center. The theme this round was First Game. Jen Bain, she's a comic, general funny person. She has a podcast called, uh, it's Friend, Friendshipping Podcast, an esteemed writer at Cards Against Humanity. Give it up, Jen Bain. So we had all gotten drunk. That's the first thing that has to be said about that night because it explains a lot. I was 15 years old, a freshman in high school, and it was my first time touching alcohol. When Maya tilted her head back, the silver flask against her lips, I actually thought to myself, just like in the movies, I'd never seen a flask in real life. When Maya held it out to me, I uncorked the lid with as much ease as I could demonstrate, but they all knew, of course. In a swift, confident arc, I brought the flask to my mouth and down the last inch of whiskey. It tasted like a gas station burning to the ground. <laughs> you're fine, you're fine, you're all right, Luke said, trying not to laugh as he pounded me on the back. The emptying of the flask seemed to signal it was time to move. It had to be near midnight now, and the houses all around us were dark. I had no idea where we were going, but I was fine with following along, as always. These undeniably cooler upperclassmen adopted me into their group, and today I really couldn't tell you why. Probably it was pity. I wasn't just new to the school, I was new to the whole town. My dad got a new job, and my mom and I moved from a small town in Ohio to an even smaller town in Indiana in late July. When school started that fall, I focused on survival. I kept my head down and out of sight. I did my best to stay unnoticed, not understanding that this was when you were supposed to try. Soon, friendships and cliques were established, but not for me. As it turned out, Maya was in the same gym class because she was the lazy kind of senior who put off bullshit classes until the last possible moment. She was the oldest one in the class, and although she was enthusiastic about all the gym activities, she wasn't very good at them. One warm afternoon, the class went outside of the tennis courts, and Maya was paired as my doubles partner. I was intimidated because she was older, because I sucked at tennis, and because I had allergies and spent more time sneezing into my hands than chasing the ball. Maya had spent the break between sets playing her tennis racket like an electric guitar. She looked at me in bemusement and said, are you allergic to gym class? Because I am. Then she went back to her guitar solo. Later that week, I was heading to my locker after school. I heard Maya yelling, hey, it's my tennis buddy. She told me that the swim team had a meet that night and she was recruiting people to go because her then boyfriend was on the team. She said, I don't know if you've ever noticed, but no one really goes to swim meets. Kind of like everyone just goes to the football games instead. Football games were a pretty big deal. The whole town seemed to shut down for them every Friday night. I chose not to admit that I had never been to one. But I did go to the swim meet. I made the mistake of mentioning to my mom that I had been sort of invited along, and then she pushed me out the door. It must have surprised everyone when I showed up inside the natatorium by myself, especially since Maya was right. Swim meets didn't really feature a lot of fans. I couldn't really distinguish my, disguise myself in the crowd while I got my bearings, but Maya was easily recognizable because she and Shelly had their faces painted, and she waved me over. We all acted like it was perfectly normal for me to be hanging out with them, and suddenly, it was. As for tonight, I wasn't so sure where we were headed, but I was happy to follow along. We reached Tommy's car. He opened the trunk, and inside were bundles and bundles of toilet paper. Maya said, all right, listen, everyone, here's the plan. All of this is going in Warner's front yard. She met Principal Warner. I realized this was a revenge mission. 
Last week, Warner gave the group detention for stacking everyone's cafeteria trays as high as they could during lunch hour. Their cherry tower was about three feet high when Warner interceded, though I think he was secretly amused. Everyone hurried inside the car, fighting over who would get shotgun. I thought of all those liquor bottles long emptied. For the first time, anxiety rose up inside me. But Tommy was already starting the ignition, and I got in too. Sometimes, especially when you're young, you do stupid things. You just do. The rest of us jammed into the back seat. I expected an uncomfortable ride, but it really wasn't. The radio blasted, the windows were rolled down halfway, and the breeze rushed at my face as everyone sang and talked excitedly over one another, anticipating the mission ahead of us. At this part, everyone expects the whole story to end as in some sort of fiery car crash. The truth is this. The streets were pretty empty. Tommy drove as well as a distracted and mildly drunk person could. The drunk driving is barely part of the story. It was not part of the real incident at all. Warner's house was secluded out in the woods. Maya went first. She threw a well-aimed toilet paper roll into a tree branch. Then everyone shot off in different directions in a mad rush. We lobbed our grenades into branches. We wrapped each tree trunk. We mummified the mailbox. Toilet paper draped every tree, bush, and light post in the most impressive display of vandalism I could imagine. But then Maya's voice caught our attention, calling us over. Come here and see this. Behind Warner's house was a grill and patio furniture. And then the lawn sloped downward and gave way to enormous lake. A dock reached out into the coal black water, catching the shaky reflection of the moonlight. It was completely tempting. Shelley said, you know we have to get in that water, right? Because of course we did. We had just TP'd his yard. Why not swim in this man's lake too? <laughs> but really, we didn't need a reason. And in seconds, we were drunkenly racing toward the water. With a lot of unchar- uncharacteristic acrobatics and hollering, I sprinted off the slippery wooden dock and jumped, plunging feet first into that achingly cold drink. When I surfaced, everyone was splashing and screaming. Maya was still on the dock, calling for our attention, please, as she was about to outdo us all with a dive or a backflip or something. In the dark, it was hard to see, especially with all the splashing. But what I heard next was a loud, sick thud. And then we couldn't see Maya anymore. It grew very quiet. We splashed toward the dock, stumbled up the shore, knew right away this was no prank. Maya was groaning. Her eyes were closed. Her limbs were spalled out at different angles if she had just been dropped there. She hit her head. We have to go to the hospital. In any other context, it would have been embarrassing how high-pitched my voice was. Real panic unfolded as we argued about what to do, if if we should take her home, who was too drunk to drive, if Maya could hear us, if she wanted us to pull her along. We should get Warner, I said. And that was the only statement everyone could agree on. I ran through the grass to the front of the house. It took me a few seconds to realize Tommy was running with me. I was breathing hard when we scrambled up from Warner's front porch. I remember my hand was shaking when I rang the doorbell probably 12 times. It felt like a year, but it was probably just a minute until the front door opened. The look on Principal Warner's face just then, I still think of it sometimes. He was a large, bald guy, built heavy in the shoulders especially. He had famously played football for a high school back in the day. He was bearing down on us then, and he was in his boxers. (laughs) I was staring at our principal wearing his boxers. His mouth was open in an ape-like expression of bewilderment. And who could blame him for that look? Two soaking wet teenagers on his doorstep, both frenzied with fear and babbling incoherently about the lake and the dock and Maya hitting her head, and the backdrop behind us, his entire yard, completely vandalized. (laughs) 
poor guy. A concussion and 10 staples at the back of the head. That's all it was. I must have seen those staples a hundred times in the weeks that followed because Maya kept showing them off to gross us all out. That really should have been punishment enough in my opinion, but it wasn't. I personally was grounded until the end of the semester. Maya was suspended. The rest of us had detention for a month. It took my parents some convincing that the night of mayhem was an isolated incident. It was probably best we couldn't spend a lot of time together right away because it might have ruined things forever. At first we really were ashamed and it was awkward and I was back to being friendless while we all averted our eyes from each other in the hallway. But that did fade. Romanticizing the whole thing was way more fun. Teeping the principal's yard and then jumping in his lake? That's legendary. And we did clean up his yard, for the record. It was the least we could do after he phoned an ambulance and then ran through backyard at 10 a.m. in his boxer shorts. <laughs> then, he drove us, then he drove the rest of us and his SUV to the hospital. Had it been a few years later when everyone owned a cell phone, things might have gone differently. I look back on that night with relief and regret and a little bit of laughter. It really could have been so much worse. It was a very long time before I ever touched a flask again. Move. 
God is feeling warm and bright. It's such a fine and natural sight. Everybody's dancing in the moonlight. Dancing in the moonlight. Everybody's dancing.